Hitchcock, thank you very much for your kind words. I'll remember for the next trip, as I said. <clears throat> We're running a little bit late uh, due to uh, Mother's Day traffic, um, among other things. Um, it's clear that the topic that we're discussing this evening is one of extreme importance. Uh, that much is self-evident. Um, the insufficiency of time to confront uh, this effectively or even to scratch the surface um, in some kind of uh, meaningful way, uh, never mind to try to do it justice, is a significant uh, challenge and one which um, probably is beyond uh, the time frame um, that we're allowed. So what I'd like to do is to try to register some primary points, some bullets, if you will, and then to delineate and elaborate um, according to the time that we do have um, as much as possible, and maybe sometime in the future, to go into much more uh, detail. Let me try to address a couple of the issues connected with the topic, um, some of the confusions or dispel a few, I think, misconceptions uh, that lately have become more fashionable um, even in our community, or at least more commonplace, um, due to simply living in the modern era and being exposed uh, to certain sensibilities, as well as uh, books that have written recently or articles that have been written on the topic, which I'm not going to discuss uh, more specifically because we simply don't have time and it wouldn't be fair uh, one way or another, but at least uh, in a general sense uh, to try to clarify some of the issues. The first issue, and then I'll try to elaborate according to the time that I have, is to discuss whether or not ikare amuna, the very concept of foundational beliefs, is something which is compatible with one of the ikare amuna, uh, as the Rambam formulates it, the eighth one. Um, the idea that every pasuk, every uh, letter in the Torah, is of infinite spiritual uh, intrinsic significance. Um, this is a concept which is very critical, I'll discuss it more in a couple of minutes. Does it leave room for the very concept of there being some uh, concept, some ideas, uh, some mitzvos in some cases, uh, that play a different kind of role than the other? It seems clear, both internally in the position of the Rambam and logically from other and earlier sources, that the question of axiological importance or significance, the idea that every uh, word, every concept in the Torah is of infinite value, equal to any other word and any other concept, is something which is completely compatible with a concept of Ikari Amuna, as we'll explain. More importantly, what I'd like to demonstrate very briefly in the time that we have, is that the concept of obligatory Amuna, mandated beliefs, is indeed an integral part of Yadus, something that rejects the notion that Torah is interested only in Maisa mitzvos, only in actions, only in more technical norms. The concept of required beliefs, we'll try to demonstrate, has roots in the Mishnayis, particularly the Mishnah, of course, in Sanhedrin, in the beginning of Parakhelek, which was uh, where the Rambam decided to formulate his famous Yud Gimli Karim, but also throughout Shas, throughout the Talmud, the Gemara in Sanhedrin of Tzadites, the Gemara in Avodah and Horios, and Chulin, and Rosh Hashanah. Every time the Gemara speaks about concept of Min, or Abikores, or Kofor Batorah, and it does in a whole slew of different areas, we'll have a chance to speak about this in a couple of minutes, to, as I say, elaborate a little bit more. Clearly, um, the Gemara considers um, the adoption of certain fundamental beliefs, certain tenets of the faith, 
to be something that is indispensable to the Kedushas Yisrael, to the sanctity, and for the full rights of being a member of the Jewish people. The fact that the Rambam played a major role, maybe the major role historically, in popularizing or promulgating this dimension of Jewish law and thought is no coincidence and is consistent with both his authority and the special combination that the Rambam of all poskim brought to Jewish thought and to Jewish law, um, that ability to integrate the two in almost seamless fashion, as we'll discuss. While others dispute some points of the Rambam's formulation in the Yudgim Karim, the 13 cardinal principles of faith as they have become known and popularized, it's important to uh, underscore at the outset that many of these disagreements are formal or classificatory, as we'll explain, particularly with respect to uh, Rav Chazdai Kreskis and, um, and his Or Hashem, and Rav Yosef Albo in his Sefer Ikarim, and Rashbats and his classification. The ones that are more substantive, where individual Mepharshim, um, some Rishonim, mostly here and there Achronim, disagreed on a substantive level with one of the Rambam's Yudgim Karim. Each of these needs to be discussed individually, which we don't have time to do this evening. But in general terms, I think it can be declared that the Rambam's stature and his prominence in each and in both areas, meaning both in Jewish law and in Jewish thought, and in the combination of the two, and in integration of the two, establish his preeminence to such an extent that the Rambam's list of good gimli karim is the default, has been the default, certainly from the time that it surfaced um, in the Pirish Mishnayis and was reiterated in slightly different forms um, throughout the Yad HaZaka. The liturgy, whether it be the Yigdal or the Animamins that we declare um, after the davening, and vast, wide rabbinic consensus, that doesn't mean that there are no points of disagreement or dispute, but the vast rabbinic consensus um, is to uh, embrace the Rambam's Yud Gimli Karim, despite some individual exceptions, and the individual exceptions themselves reflect this and reinforce the idea that the Rambam's list constitutes the default. Most of the opposition uh, to the Rambam's Yud Gimli Karim, not in a classificatory but in a substantive way, it should be noted, come not from the Raivid and not from the Ramban, not anybody from that caliber, and here's where certainly an overlap between uh, the Shia that you just heard from Rosh Echter Shlita and uh, what we're about to discuss in a little more detail um, in the few minutes that we have, um, really uh, converge together. It's important to know who are the disputants and what, is their, what are their credentials and stature in Halakha and in Hashkafa. And uh, even those disputants who do have more stature and whose uh, disagreement with the Rambam you know, might in fact constitute at least a close uh, proximity to Eilu Be'elu Divir Kim Chaim in these matters, it should be note, mostly disagree piecemeal rather than wholesale, not with Yud Gimeli Karim, but with this one or that one, and this particular authority disagrees with A, and that particular authority disagrees with C, and so on. Once again, establishing that in the aggregate, uh, the rabbinic default position by far is to accept the Rambam's position um, as the Mesora um, formulation um, of Ikari Amuna. The Rambam's position, it should be noted, is remarkably consistent throughout all of his writings. Some have suggested, is this still working? Some have suggested 
that it's connected to his focus on the Mishnah and the beginning of Sanhedrin, uh, any perusal of Yad HaChazaka from beginning to end, and again, uh, quickly we'll just uh, mention uh, some of the loci, but um, from the beginning to the end, starting from Sefer Mada, beginning with Hilchus Yisori Torah, um, continuing through Hilchus Avodazara, and of course a very prominent section which maybe we'll read a little of in Hilchus Tshuva, um, and then going forward to Hilchus Kriyashma, throughout the Yad HaChazaka of the Rambam, the Rambam refers again and again to these concepts and to the implicit um, perspective of there being tenets of faith, of these tenets of faith defining or being important in defining uh, Kedushas Israel in a way that affects uh, Geirus, in a way that affects uh, Shechita, in a way that affects Nemanus and Abelus and Eidus and Zaken Mamre. From the beginning, as I say, of Hilfus Yisraeli Torah, the very um, entering into Yana Chazaka, till all the way at the end, the Hilfus Mamrim and Hilfus Abelus uh, of Sefer Shoftim. The Rambam's methodology and his approach, with some important nuances, which I'd love to speak about, but I don't really see having the opportunity to do this evening. Uh, but nonetheless, again, far more impressive um, than the different emphases in different places, whether it's in the terminology, min, apikores, kofer, that he uses, or in the emphasis, and in some cases, a shift in the stress of what the mechaev is of some of these very categories. And they become more important as we appreciate the Rambam's consistency throughout. Um, all of this highlights that the Rambam is not responding or reacting to a particular issue, as has sometimes been claimed. Uh, it's not a defensive posture, but one which is, which is consistent, mitrila um, viadsov, with nuances. The one exception where the Rambam's perspective has been challenged in a more of an elu ve'elu dibre'elu kim chaim manner is the question of onus or tinak shenishba, um, what some people call the issue of nebuchadnezzarus um, still being an apikaris. The Rambam's view was that the requirement of yud gimeli kari amuna um, is not merely a lechatchila, it's something which is required of each and every Jew. And the Rambam, at least in Pirshim Mishnayis in Sanhedrin, suggests that even someone who doesn't have the benefit of a good Jewish education and through no fault of his own, has been deprived of the opportunity um, to understand, uh, to comprehend, to assimilate, uh, to embrace uh, these tenets. Uh, nonetheless, um, such an individual lacking this uh, fundamental um, perspective is someone who is denied entry um, into the world uh, to come. In other words, onus, tinok shenizba, is not going to be of assistance uh, to such an individual who, no fault uh, of his own, um, has not been able to cultivate um, these uh, important perspectives. This, of course, is connected to a very critical, um, broader uh, view that the Rambam has. Uh, the idea that entry into Olam Haba is uh, not merely a conventional um, aspect or dimension of Scharva Onesh, of reward and punishment, in which case you shouldn't be punishing people um, for faults that they are not uh, to blame. Uh, but there's a naturalistic element to all of this as well. That the cultivation of the intellect or the adoption um, of, of certain uh, basic beliefs is a necessary positive prerequisite to achieve uh, the ultimate scar um, of the Hashra Sashina and Olam Abba. And therefore, the 
excuse, uh, whatever excuse there is, the inability to cultivate a proper perspective on the issues of the Yud Gimel, um, Ikari Amuna, according to the Rambam, uh, prevents one uh, from achieving uh, entry uh, into Olav Haba. Uh, there were those who disagreed with this particular perspective of the Rambam, consistent with their view that uh, other aspects, including Avas Hashem, um, uh, Avodas Hashem, uh, played a greater role. In other words, they didn't adopt this naturalistic um, entry um, idea into achieving the ultimate uh, reward of Tzchar Ba'olam And uh, consequently, they also rejected uh, the notion um, that, you know, uh, notwithstanding the why, the fact of uh, not being uh, qualified, not having uh, this foundation, um, in the end of the day, um, is all that is all that matters. The truth is that the Raman himself, um, in different places, uh, provides different perspectives on this issue. When it comes to entry into Olam Haba, as we just noted, the Rambam is unequivocal about this very high standard. However, in Hukas Mamrim, when he speaks about the status of Zakin Mamre, um, which is not an issue of entry into Olam Haba, uh, there the Rambam does distinguish between Tinok uh, Shanishba, somebody who's an Anus, somebody who, even if he is exposed minimally, is educated, uh, you know, somewhat, but he comes uh, from a climate um, which is working against him, in which it's not in the cards, really, for him to be able to integrate or assimilate um, the meaning, um, the ultimate um, um, embrace of the Yud Gimel Ikari Amuna, the Ramam suggests that uh, a distinction would be made. So the Ramam himself distinguishes when it comes to the application of Min or Apikores or Kofer, um, somebody who doesn't adopt the Yud Gimel Ikarim, um, in different uh, in different contexts, and uh, I think a case could be made that even when it comes to the question of Olam Haba, um, people who don't uh, prominent Rishonim who didn't accept the Rambam's worldview uh, when it came to uh, some of these other issues uh, might uh, take um, some issue uh, with this perspective about uh, Neva Hapikoras um, as well. Indeed, the Raibid in a very famous comment uh, in Hilmas Chuba when he talks about the Rambam's uh, position on uh, anti-anthropomorphism, the Rambam uh, says very explicitly that uh, one of the things that uh, qualifies somebody as, as a min, uh, as a heretic, is his belief in the, um, the physicality um, of God. And uh, the Raven, of course, is a very famous comment where, uh, from yourselves, exactly what he says, but the Raven makes it perfectly clear that um, individuals who by virtue of their education, through no fault of their own, um, adopt uh, the belief that there is a hakshama, that uh, God has a material aspect, are, are not denied entry um, into the world, uh, into the world to come. Uh, there is some debate among the acronym whether this is because the Raven, though he certainly embraces um, the opinion of the Rambam uh, regarding this important theological issue, uh, doesn't think it's one of the Karyamuna or whether the Raibid, together with the Radvaz and Rabbi Palbo and others, uh, was of the opinion that uh, the concept of Tinok Shanishba, or Onus, uh, is something that's applicable even when it comes to the issue uh, of Olam Haba. But uh, generally speaking, uh, aside from this uh, one very critical issue, and this issue has no impact on cultivating proper beliefs, it has uh, a theoretical um, uh, issue, uh, with respect to entry into uh, Olam Haba, which in the end of the day 
Kamish Maya Galya, the Rabbonu Shalom, can decide on that issue. Uh, but notwithstanding that particular issue, the uh, Yud Gimli Karim that the Rambam uh, formulates and the equivalent list uh, in Hokus Chuba Paragimel, which we'll discuss very soon, um, is the default list um, of halakha uh, and Jewish life, and I think has been um, for all of these centuries uh, since he formulated it. If we get a chance, I'd like to discuss um, as well, very briefly, some of the implications um, of the four areas which the Rambam uh, outlines. The first, of course, is the area of theology, the area of proper beliefs, uh, the idea that you're supposed to relate to the Rabboni Shalom according to certain uh, philosophical truths, um, uh, the unity of God, the existence of God, uh, anti-anthropomorphic um, posture, um, the idea of uh, creatio et snihilo, etc., all these relating to the Rabboni Shalom himself. There can't be an avodas Hashem unless there is an understanding of how we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second area, the way or the media in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu relates to man, his interest in man, his knowledge of the world, his interest in the world, uh, the mechanisms of Nebuah and Nebuah's Moshe in particular, by which he communicates with man, uh, implying that not only is there a theology, but there is um, a relationship. And of course that is critical for Avodos Hashem, how we understand that relationship and the obligations that devolve upon us uh, in the context of Tefillah and Talmud Torah, etc. Um, Avodos Hashem, Siyah HaMitzvos, relates very much uh, to both of these elements, to how we relate to Akash Parcho, as well as the mechanisms um, which establish the interaction between Akash Parcho and man. The third, of course, has to do with the integrity of the Torah and the ambition of the Torah, the idea that it is self-sufficient, that um, it is immutable, the idea that every word, uh, every letter uh, is imbued with uh, sanctity. Uh, this, of course, is connected also to the concept of the superiority of uh, Mosaic prophecy, Nebuas Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah is Nebuas Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, this, of course, again, a critical area of our life, not just an abstract uh, belief, but something which uh, dictates um, the concept of Talmud Torah Kenegat Kulam, the idea of how it is that Torah and study of Torah can be the mechanism in so many um, uh, pivotal areas of Jewish life, uh, including um, Tshuva, um, Avas Hashem, uh, other institutions of Jewish life as well. And finally, uh, the eschatological dimension of the Ikarim, the belief in Tchias Amesim, uh, the belief in Yemos HaMashiach, the concept of Skar Onesh, all of which establish um, a basis for man to live in the real world, uh, which highlight the fact that the concrete physical world in which we inhabit, Yafeb, Shachas, Olam that this is really the place where spiritual opportunity um, is, is carried out, and of course, um, proper beliefs about the Mashiach, which are critical uh, to our religion, uh, and the concept of eschatology, uh, more generally. Let me begin, there's not that much time, let me just at least speak about a couple of these issues uh, very quickly. The first notion, the one I um, highlighted at the beginning, the very notion of Ikarim and Ikare Yamuna addresses two opposite considerations. First, it rejects the idea that Ikarim compromises the central notion that all of Torah is intrinsic and divine and of infinite value. This, of course, was 
the famous objection of the Abarbanel uh, to the Ikari Amuna of the Rambam. Uh, but the Rambam certainly was no less sensitive to this concept. In other words, he wasn't mekel uh, in the idea that uh, every word of the Torah is of intrinsic value equal to every other word in the Torah. He was simply of the opinion that different functions uh, don't in any way compromise equal value. The Rambam himself, in the eighth of the Ikarim, uh, very much formulates this idea that every uh, pasuk, uh, is of equal importance. When the Torah speaks about uh, the names, uh, even the names of non-Jews, that too is Dvar Hashem. And every Dvar Hashem uh, is equal to every other Dvar Hashem. There's a very famous tshuva of the Rambam about um, the propriety of standing up for the Aseris Adibros. And uh, the Rambam was asked uh, by uh, one of the rabbis of Baghdad, they had a change of rabbi in the shul, and hopefully they... Uh, you know, conform to the proper methodology of Asay Lecharab in terms of who they chose. But the, the issue arose about past minhagim and present minhag, whether one should stand up during the Aseris Adibros or not. The Rambam's uh, very sharply written response was, again, emphatic. The Rambam says it's inappropriate to stand during the Aseris Adibros because uh, this is merely an extension of his understanding of the Gemara in the first parak of Masachet Brachos, which says that initially the Aserasa Dibros was integrated into the uh, liturgy, and they took it out, by which the Ramam understood that uh, some people were suggesting that um, you know, there are parts of the Torah that are of greater axiological value than others. And the Rambam uh, suggested that since this has been rejected, and that's the reason why the Gemara insisted that we remove this from the liturgy, that the same reasoning holds with respect to the question of standing up during the Aserasa Dibros. Now why we do is another question. People can talk about that on Shavuos if they want, uh, but that's not for the moment. The Gra is a very famous comment on the Mishnah and Peah, um, and the question of a Talmud Torah, Keneged Kulam, um, which, according to the Gra at least, means both Ein Lahem Shir Lamala, the Ein Lahem Shir Lamata. And the Gros suggests that uh, how could it be, the Gemara says in Menachos, mitzvah la'omra b'fnei ha'ba'aretz. One should be mefarsim that not only can you never fulfill the mitzvah because whatever you've done is insufficient, but you can also be mefarsim, you can also publicize that whatever little you do is also enough. Why would you want to publicize that? The Gros explains because it highlights that every word of the Torah is a spiritual treasure and of intrinsic and infinite value, Keneged Kula. And yet, despite his embracing this idea, the Rambam, more than any of the Kachami Abbasorah, formulated based on the Makoros and the Mishnah and the Gemara, but is certainly also augmented by his global understanding and conviction of what Torah is, and projected the importance of Ikare Amuna. According to the Rambam, this is not a contradiction, it merely highlights that Ikari Amuna serve as a kind of linchpin function. Just like the Gemara says in Hulin and elsewhere, that if a person is modeb avonazara, anything else that he does becomes meaningless and insignificant because the context, the framework of his mitzvahs basically uh, becomes insignificant. He loses touch with what a mitzvah is. So too, according to the Rambam, the role or the function of the Yugimali Karim is to provide the framework of belief which 
is the basis for all other mitzvahs. If anything, Yud Gimli Karim is an investment in the Kedusha Satorah, in the Kedusha of every Pasuk being equal to every other Pasuk. The more important challenge is the idea of Ikari Amuna existing as a mandatory category. While self-evident in the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Gemara, as I mentioned in a number of places, which speaks about the um, different status, the lost Kedushas Yisrael, or at least Mitzas Kedushas Yisrael, of Min, and Apikores, and Mishumad, etc., in Rosh Hashanah, and Chulin, and Horios, and Avadazara, etc. And implicit in all halachic um, sources that deal with numerous issues, from, as I say, Zokin Mamre to Avelos, from Yisodia Torah to Hilkas Mamre, and of course, all medieval treatises, reflected by their titles alone, Emunos Vedeos, Chovas Alababos, Emuna Rama, Sefer Karim, and so on, Rosh Amana. But nonetheless, this axiom, this uh, self-evident pr- proposition that there are Ikari Emuna, came under question in recent centuries, particularly since uh, Moses Mendelssohn's musings about Jewish uh, dogmalessness, and subsequent expansions of this to articulate uh, the idea, I don't think Mendelssohn did this, but I think those who extended his idea did, that the only dogma uh, Judaism espouses is the concept of dogmalessness, meaning Judaism is about actions and not about beliefs. This perspective, which is historically um, anomalous, reflects a reaction to, I think, the centrality of dogma in Christianity. I see Dr. Berger's in the uh, audience, and he's done a lot of work on Yudhiyam Karim, and even uh, more important as the expert on uh, Christianity. So I say, but the uh, centrality of dogma in Christianity, um, the idea that creed um, is critical. Um, there is almost you know, an absence of deed, or deed is insignificant, at least, uh, in the context of proper creed. Uh, the sharp contrast which Yadus presents uh, to that perspective in a halachocentric system, I think contributed significantly to this uh, emphasis, but in this case, uh, to an incorrect overemphasis. The modernist sensibility that it is almost impossible, or some people think impossible, or inappropriate to legislate in the areas of emotions, or to mandate belief or emotions, ends up relegating belief to the periphery, or in some cases, to personal choice. But these sensibilities, I think, clearly are fundamentally antithetical to historically and halakhically what Yahadus has always espoused. Amuna has its roots in the Av Hamon Goyim, in Avram Avinu, the Amin Bashem by Shavelo Tzedakah, and of course, that was part of his very persona, what made him appropriate and qualified to be Av Hamon Goyim. This is true of the nation as well. And the inclusion of Moshe Avdo in the equation highlights the fact that the Amunah wasn't restricted only to theology, to the first of the four components that the Rambam um, identifies, but to the other components as well. To the kind of relationship HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, can have through various media with human beings, notwithstanding the theological and philosophical challenges that that implies, as well as, more specifically, 
the concept of the Navi, the idea of Moshe as the Navi, and Moshe as Rabbeinu, the person who receives and is the Rabbeinu of the Torah to Klal Yisrael. The very fact that the Torah itself mandates not only beliefs, but legislation of emotion, Abba and Sina and Losachmod and Emunah, of course, highlights this self-evident perspective. It would leave Yahadus a meaningless shell and would reinforce the critique of the Navi of empty gesture, mitzvot anashim belumada, ironic and surprising that modernists would embrace a system or a perspective which would relegate the system of religion to formalism alone. The Asersa Dibros, of course, magnificently illustrates this. Roshamshin Fall Hirsch has a very beautiful comment when he talks about the structure of the Asersa Dibros. He notes that it begins with Anochi Hashem Elokecha, the foundation of belief, and it ends with Losachmod, the most ambitious expression of the control of emotions. And in between, of course, it speaks about Maisa Mitzvot. And he argues that it has to begin with belief, because belief is the foundation. There would be no religion, no meaningful connection to the Rabboni Shalom without there being a Muna. But then it has to immediately translate into a halachocentric lifestyle. And that's what's unique about Yahadus as opposed to other religions. The emphasis on mitzvot. The mitzvot themselves, this is not Rupert's point so much, but certainly something that is very familiar to us, especially in the Rav's ideology. The mitzvot themselves reflect a value system which instantiate and uh, give concrete expression to emuna and to values. And that, of course, takes up the bulk of the Aseris Adibros. Until that final transition back into the world of emotions. Somebody who is suffused with emuna and who has immersed himself in Tayyad Mitzvos, represented by the Aseris Adibros, is somebody who in the end is able to achieve that incredibly challenging feat of controlling or being able to respond to the legislation in the areas of emotion and belief. The idea that there's an interface between belief and mitzvot and that each is impacted by the other is of course reflected by Enochi Hashem Elokecha itself. Everybody knows the famous argument between the Rambam and the Bahag. The Bahag did not count Anochi Hashem Elokecha in the Minyan Taryag, and the Rambam did. The Ramban in Sefer Mitzvot explains that the Bahag's perspective was not chas v'shalom based on the idea that somehow Anochi Hashem Elokecha is a rishos, chas v'shalom, but based on the idea that belief is so foundational that to count it as a mitzvah would be to trivialize it, to marginalize it. To treat it as one of 613 would be to detract from its centrality. And the Rambam did not have sensitivity to this concern. The greatest uh, philosophical uh, mind of the Jewish people or authority of the Jewish people, as we know, the Rambam is both the greatest um, um, Jewish thinker post-Talmudic era and the greatest legal thinker post-Talmudic era. And he wasn't sensitive to the distinction between halacha and makshava, between amuna and maisa. Clearly, 
The point of the Rambam is precisely to integrate the two. The Rambam understood exactly what Rav Hirsch so many years later um, expressed. And that is that Emuna, even Yud Gimeli Karim, without a system of halakha in which they are manifest and expressed, are empty. They're slogans. They're creed. But deeds which do not embed values or reflect values and which are not connected to linchpin beliefs are an empty religion and slogans in their own right. Anohi Hashem Elokecha, as the first of the Taryag mitzvos, doesn't trivialize or mechanicalize belief. It establishes that belief is a norm and it establishes that norm is ultimately connected to and an expression of belief. That's why the Rambam was uniquely qualified, uniquely sensitive to be able to formulate what became the traditional default system of Yud Gimel Ikarim. This idea of Ikarim being part of the Halakha is something which, as I say, is integrated very unselfconsciously into the Mishnah, into the Halakha, throughout the Talmud. The status of an unbeliever impacts, as I in indicated earlier, concrete halakhic contexts with roots in the Gemara, most uniformly accepted, Min, Abikores, Kofer, alongside Meshumad and Masur, in whole different areas of halakha. The concept of returning his Aveda, the question of Abelos, Zakin Mamre, Psul Eidos, the requirement of Tshuva, entry into Olam Haba, etc., etc. The Rambam, in fact, integrated all of this into the Mishnah Torah. Mishnah Torah begins, once again, with Hilchos Yisodei HaTorah, the first of the books of Yad HaZaka, Sefer Mada, and that beginning. By this, the Rambam clearly transmitted, clearly conveyed this perspective that there's no difference whatsoever between Hilchos Gezela and Hilchos Shofar on the one hand, and Hilchos Yisodia Torah, and Paragimel of Hilchos Tshuva, and Hilchos Mamrim on the other. This should not surprise us, as it is fundamental to the entire orientation of Yadus, it's really its singular ambition. The role of halachic values and beliefs would be disturbing, certainly meaningless, without it. Moreover, we should not confuse other distinctions when we come to analyze the importance of Ikari Amuna, of the tenets of the faith. It is true that there are some areas of Hashkafa where there's much greater flexibility and where there is a demarcation between Halakha and Hashkafa. Matters of Agada are a good example of this. Parshanut, in some cases. Certainly the multi-truths that result from the divine text, Torah Sashem Timima, of Torah Shebiksav are something about which one doesn't need necessarily to paskin one way or another. The parish of Rashi is just as good as the parish of the Ramban and the Ibn Ezra in many cases as well. Even certain broader Hashkafic issues, ones which are not defined by the Rambam or others as Ikari Amuna, admit of greater flexibility and more of an Elu Ve'elu approach. Indeed, the exact qualifications for the Navi, the exact uh, parameters of Hashkacha, things that are debated by the Rambam and the Ramban and other Mepharshim uh, of equal standing 
about which we can say that there is not necessarily any kind of requirement equivalent to mishpat echad yelachem of uniformity among the Chachmi Amasora, and where the stature of the people involved in the debate um, also uh, justify um, a continued approach of Eilu the Eilu Divrei Kim Chai. We don't necessarily accept uniformly the Rambam's view about Shedim or Kishuf or even philosophy. Certainly the Rabban, the Gra, others disagreed. And about such questions, it's certainly permissible to say Eilu the Eilu Divrei Kim Chai. But the linchpin beliefs that the Rambam mostly identifies in the Yud Gimli Karim that underpin the entire system are of a different quality entirely. Chaos, even standing back and saying Elu Elu, in most cases, there are some exceptions, is extremely problematic, mostly unacceptable. Mostly the prominent Rishonim have weighed in by either explicitly or implicitly endorsing the positions of the Rambam, or at least by abstaining from critiquing them. The Ramban and others knew how to criticize the Rambam on the matters of astrology and Kishuf and uh, his positions uh, and Parshanut, etc. Their silence in this particular case uh, on matters of such critical importance constitutes mostly approbation. The fact that in halachic literature we find the impact of the Rambam to be pervasive on these matters. If you open up the Shochan Aruch and Hechaz Abarazara and Hechaz Eidos and so on, we, Hechashchita, the impact of the Rambam's Psachim in issues that are connected to the Yud Gimeli Kareyamuna are evident um, in all the various halachic um, contexts. And all of this, of course, highlights the fact that his position has been accepted as a default. I was once at a conference uh, some years ago, it's late, so I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute or so, in which a professor from Eretz Israel um, got up. The conference uh, was about uh, the legitimacy of pluralism, and he got up and he said that, um, you know, the problem with the Orthodox, you know, is really um, the problem that was created by the rabbi. After all, he created or manufactured uh, this notion of Yagimali Karim, the idea that there is orthodox uh, official belief. And if not for that, you know, Jews of all different stripes would have uh, a much more fruitful basis um, for dialogue. The perspective that he was trying to convey was that the Rambam basically invented uh, Yagimali Karim, or at least uh, expanded them. He did expand them somewhat, but expanded them to the point um, of their being kind of his creation. In the book that came out um, some years later, um, he moderated this, I think, uh, a little bit, um, but not all that much. And I think it's critical for us to understand that the way that um, uh, halachic decision-making uh, operates in every other area of halacha is exactly what is applied um, to this area of halacha. Never do we try to return um, ignoring the links in the chain of the Mesora uh, back to the time of the Mishnah to speculate uh, what it might have meant you know, without the tradition of the Gemara or the Gemara without the understanding of the consensus of the Rishonim. Beyond that, it's important to know that while the Mishnah in Sanhedrin in the beginning of Chelek um, is uh, a critical source, but certainly what the Rambam 
develops in the Yudgimel Ikarim in Perishim Shais and Chelek is much more extensive than that, as well as his comments in Hos It's important to understand that strewn throughout the Talmud are numerous other um, sources of references which reinforce the Rambam's position. And in recent years in particular, there's been a whole um, uh, literature uh, that has been dedicated towards finding uh, sources for some of the Hidushim uh, of the Rambam, of uh, Nachum Rabinovitz and his uh, Yad Peshuta. Uh, of course, the Frankel Rambam um, has been uh, an important aid in all of this as well. So that the connection between even the Rambam's expansions of Yud Gimli Kare Amuna um, in Yad Hazaka and the Parish Mishnayis uh, have been demonstrated, many of them, to be rooted uh, in the Talmud. Of course, the question of selection, which sources, all of this is an issue. But the most important thing to understand is that the methodology that the Rambam displays when it comes to Yud Gimli Kare Amuna is fundamentally no different than the methodology that he employs in Hilfa Shabbos, uh, in Hilfa Shita, uh, in Hilfa Sukkah. The Rambam in general uh, employed a global view um, of Jewish law, one in which he saw a grand picture, integrated all of the Makoros, um, and in some cases came up with foundational principles, um, foundational um, halachos. The Rambam as a linchpin in the Mesorah um, doesn't require, obviously, my endorsement. Uh, it's something which is axiomatic. When the Rambam disagrees with the Raibid, or Rabbeinu Tam, or the Ramban, we're talking about uh, a concept of Elo ve'elo divre'o lekim chai. Where the Rambam's position is accepted by a very strong consensus, notwithstanding over the hundreds and thousands of years uh, that there have been you know, individual um, exceptions, individuals who have, who have argued with this or that of the Kari Amuna, and again, each one needs to be examined separately, um, certainly uh, that does not constitute a serious or a significant challenge to the default position of the Rambam's uh, foundational um, principles. Mori Varabi, Rabar Lichtenstein, Shlita, in a different context, uh, on a different public uh, policy issue, uh, once noted uh, that people you know, seem to be very respectful uh, of authorities um, in certain public issues or some in certain you know, very critical foundational issues. And they say, well, he's a rabbi too, and this is what he expressed. Well, they wouldn't necessarily go to the same fellow and ask him uh, about uh, the kashras, you know, of a piece of chicken um, or some other uh, lesser question. And this, of course, goes to the heart of what Rav Shafter spoke about uh, earlier. It's important in assessing Machlokas, uh, dispute, to assess who the different opponents are. And while different shitos, the variety, is something which always enriches the discussion, uh, in the end of the day, something like foundational belief requires a default. And the default um, happens to be, has always been, in terms of rabbinic consensus, the position of the Rambam. Um, there's much more that I want to speak about, but I see my time is up, so let me just conclude um, apropos to um, Shavuos with the following. The Rambam in Perek Ches, Aleph, notes that um, Nivua uh, initially um, was authenticated by means of miracles. But the breakthrough was that shining moment of Gilu Shechina. 
Because at Gilu Shechina, at the time of Maimon Har Sinai, the giving of the Torah, Matan Torah, all of Klal Yisrael stood as one, aided witnesses, to the presence of the Rabbi Shalala. And that moment, the moment for which human history was created, Bishvil HaTorah Shenikra Reishis, Yom Hashishi, Bishvil Yom Hashishi, the sixth day of Sivan, that shining moment provided the foundation for belief as a Badai. The Ramam expresses this uh, very beautifully. The Maimon Har Sinai She'inyano Ra'u She'inenu Sari Ra'u V'lo Zar V'yazneinu Shamu V'lo Acher Ha'esh V'akolos V'alapidim V'hu Nigash El Ha'arafel V'akol Medaber Elav V'anu Shomim Moshe Moshe Lecha Morlahem Kach V'kach V'cheinu Omer Panim B'Panim Diber Hashem Yimachem V'nemar Lo Asav Oseinu Paras Hashem Asav Bris Hazos that moment at Harsinai, which melded Tochen, the giving of the content of the Torah by means of the Aserah Adibros, which, according to some, crystallizes Kolatarah Kula. And either way, Ma, Shemitah, Klaloseha, Pratoseha, Nemra Besinai, Afkulam, Klaloseem, Bedikdukeem, Nemra Besinai, together with form, the Kolos Uvrakim, and the experience of the Rabbah Vesholam, Maimet Harsinai of Ilu Kervanu Lifnei Amakon. That moment established all of the Yud Gimli Karim in a basis for Amuna. It established the nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachal, his unity, his distance from man, but his ability to establish by various media, media especially Nebuah and Dvar Hashem, Talmud Torah, a relationship with Klal Yisrael. And it established at that moment Torah Talmud Torah, Keneged Kulam, and Torah Hashem Tanima. Ein Navi Rashay Lechadish Davar Meata, and Loba Shamayimhi. The Yud Gimeli Karim, those parts of the Yud Gimeli Karim, which establish that the Torah is both immutable and self sufficient, self sustaining, and that the Jewish people are responsible as junior partners with a great deal of achrayus, but also input in understanding the Torah and implementing the world of halacha. And it held out the promise of Schar, Onesh, and Akhir Sayyam. So as we celebrate Chag Shavuos, which really is a celebration of not only Matan Torah Seinu, but Maimed Har Sinai, and all that it implies, it's important that we rededicate ourselves once again to the concept of Amuna and all of that it implies. Thank you.